Thanks for listening to the weekly teaching podcast for City Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. It is our desire to be a Jesus-centered family on mission. If you live here in Knoxville or are ever visiting the area, we'd love to have you with us at one of our Sunday gatherings. You can find out more at citychurchknox.com. If you're interested in giving financially to help us reach more people in our city, you can give easily at citychurchknox.com give. And finally, if this teaching is helpful to you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. You can email us at info at citychurchknox.com. With that being said, here's this week's teaching. Well, what's good, church fam? How we doing? Oh, there's like, there's a lot of people here, and I only heard a few of you. How are we doing today? There we go. That's a little better. Man, y'all, y'all still sleepy? It's like 1049. Um, it's, it's literally 1049. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Acts Acts 4 should be verse 32, yeah, verse 32 through 35. We'll get there eventually. If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, which there's a lot of new faces in here, so I probably haven't had the chance to meet you. My name is Marcus Williamson, and I'm one of the pastors here at City. Um, And specifically, I'm one of the lay pastors here, and I'm sure that's not a word that you typically hear, but basically what that means is that uh, while I do things here, uh, at City, uh, my full-time job is actually at UT. I'm a senior graphic designer for the Office of Communications. So if you are on campus or at all, like if you're a college student or if you're on staff, whatever, I would love to hang out with you. Um, I really would. Like, come after the gathering, let's talk, like, let's hang out. There are several of you that I've hung out with, so you guys know. Um, and hey, free lunch on City Church, right? Free lunch on City. Thanks, Jeff. You're the best. You're not even in this room, but thank you. Um, So yeah, so um, before we kind of dive in, uh, I just want to kind of say this. Um, I grew up in a predominantly black church, and uh, for me, typically, uh, the teacher and congregation kind of were like in sync a lot of times. They were like on the same wavelength. And so typically, when the Spirit was working people in the room would say amen. Now, if you feel like the spirit is working, if, if I say anything that like hits you and you're like, man, that's, that's actually pretty good. Let me write that down. Like if you want to just like write it down, also hit me with the amen, that would be good. Because I feel like for a few reasons, I'll just give you a couple, but like for a few reasons, one, I really do believe that when the spirit uh, is working, when the spirit is speaking through me, and when the Spirit is, is working through you to respond, I think being able to respond naturally is actually a good thing. Like, quieting the Spirit down, probably shouldn't do that. Probably shouldn't do that. Like, you should, you should feel that and be like, yeah, like, let me respond to this. Let me respond to this. So I would say for that. And then also, we may have people who don't follow after Jesus in the room. And so by you saying amen or whatever, like, you're acknowledging to them, like, hey, what this guy is saying right now, this is something else. This is some truth right here. Like, I was reading the scriptures the other day. This is some truth right here. I don't know about everything else he was saying, but right here, right now, what he's saying is actually truth. And so, yeah, like, if, if you feel that, if it's, if it's hitting you, please, please say amen. Now, back in the day, like, what we used to do is we used to hit him with that dad grunt. You know, you'd be like, mm. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Let's go. Like, feel free. Yell it out. Don't be ashamed. Don't look to your left or to your right. Feel the spirit. Let it out. And for my creative people in the room, feel free to hit those snaps. 
I'm about some snaps. We can go. We can go today. We can have church today. So don't quiet the spirit. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Don't quiet the spirit. And the church said, there it is. I love it. I love it. Now, that was a long intro to also intro for my non-new people, for my, or for, my, for my new people in the room to catch you up. We're in a series called In Knoxville As It Is in Heaven. And we're trying to settle on this, this big idea that, that for this series is we're taking and considering aspects of heaven and figuring out ways for us as followers of Jesus to be able to bring those aspects and, and qualities down from heaven here to earth. Hence the name in Knoxville as it is in heaven. And today what we're going to be covering is what it looks like to bring heaven down when it comes to generosity. So let me tell you something. I'm, I'm sure you can already notice it, but I'm really excited to, to teach on this today. This is going to be a lot of fun uh, for me, personally, for, for obvious reasons, because we have a packed house. This is so great. Um, and then secondly, because I, I want to learn. Like, I am here teaching, but I'm also here learning right alongside you guys. Like, I really am. One of the beautiful aspects of being one of your pastors is that I get to actually come up here and teach to you guys and that I also get to go back home and learn just like you guys. Like, all of the pastors are in life groups, all of us. And we're not in the same life group. We're all in different life groups submitting to the scriptures just like you. We're submitting to one another just like you. We are confessing and we are repenting just like you. So we get to learn just like you. And so that's, that's what I'm excited about today. Now... Again, all that set up. In light of all this, we've been setting uh, up each week in our series uh, uh, with this idea of, like, bringing heaven down. And so you may be asking, like, how will generosity be in heaven? Like, what does that actually look like? Well, if we throw that Revelation passage up again, there it is. It says, therefore, they, followers of Jesus, are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Now, here's kind of where generosity connects. It says, never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. How many of you enjoy that weather today? Anybody? A few of us? Man, I thought more people would enjoy the weather today. I heard some finger snaps. Okay, okay, I see you, I see you. Okay, let's go. Um... For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes because they'll be so happy that there's no heat above them. Amen and amen. Um, There are a lot of beautiful things in this passage that we just read, but the one I kind of want us to focus on uh, is the one on generosity. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. This may not necessarily connect with us, you know, especially with us being here in America and some of us growing up, you know, middle to middle upper class, but you have to keep in mind that that John here is talking to a group of people who actually have hungered or who have thirsted, uh, 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 and they were often like daily reminders for them, daily realities for them. They, They were people who actually did go hungry. They were people who actually did go thirsty, where they actually didn't have the resources that they needed. 
And even though you and I might not think about it much, those actual realities are in the here and now. For our brothers and sisters over in Afghanistan, for plenty of places around the world, people are in need. Right here in Knoxville, people are in need right around you. But, but here, what John says is that when Jesus returns in the new heavens and the new earth, everyone will have what they need. Everyone. Hunger is not going to be a thing, fam. Thirst is not going to be a thing, fam. Like, everyone is going to have what they need. Now, in light of that, kind of how we've been doing it is like, what, what does it look like for us as followers of Jesus to bring that down to earth? What does that look like? Well, I think if we check out that Acts 4 passage, we'll get exactly where we're going. It says this, all the believers were of one in heart, in mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And if you like to underline things, I don't know if anybody likes to do that, but if you like to highlight and underline things, this, this next section is for you. And God's grace... And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put them at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. So, this picture of the early followers of Jesus in the time, uh, immediately following Jesus' death and resurrection, they, they really did get it, right? Like, there were no needy persons among them. Like, that, that's a huge get. And, and, and you have to realize that, that, that what's even crazier is that you have to consider that the early followers of Jesus, by and large, they were not wealthy people. It's not like they just had money just coming out their pockets, right? Like, sure, there were some exceptions to the rule. Like, I'm sure some people had a little bit of money. But for the most part, I mean, they, they were scrapping it, right? Like, they were lower class. They were hand-to-mouth, all of that stuff. Like, they didn't really have a ton. And so how beautiful is that for them to be able to, to not have a ton but still meet every single need that was in the church, you see, the, the early followers of Jesus, they were practicing for heaven. They were practicing for heaven. They knew that the, the ultimate goal, the ultimate destination was that no one would be in need. And so for them, they were like, hey, if, if no one should be in need, let's provide. Let's provide food. Let's provide resources. Let's provide water, whatever you need. Let's go ahead and provide that now so you are not in need. So much so that, that they sold their land and their houses. They sold their land and their houses. Who sells their land and their houses, you guys? To just be like, hey, you know what? I didn't need this house today. I don't need this house. Here, take this house. Someone else needs it. Someone else is in need. Let, let me help them out by selling this house for them. This is the early church, you guys. 
They were practicing for heaven. Now, how cool would that be if we were practicing for heaven like that? Okay, so full disclaimer, don't go sell your house today. That probably, I mean, you can if you want to sell your house. I'm not going to stop you, but maybe talk to a few people before you sell your house. Yeah, you probably should do that. But by and large, how cool would it be if this were the type of people that we were like? Where if someone was like, hey, like, I don't have a vehicle, or hey, my vehicle broke down. Can I have help? And you're just like, yeah, I have three. There's, there's only one of me, so let me just go ahead and pass this along. Go ahead, you got this. What if people just were like, hey, like, let's pool money together. Let's buy you a car. Do you need an alternator? Let's buy you the alternator so we can help fix this part of it. What if nobody had to go without counseling when they were going through something rough, right? Counseling adds up eventually. Like, it can be a lot of money to go to counseling, depending on how long you go. What if we were just like, hey, you keep going. We got you. We got you, fam. Just keep going. We ain't even worried about the money. God will provide. Let's, let's go. Let's just, here you go. I, yeah. What, what if we could be that type of community? A community where, where we are so generous that no one, no one is in need. How do we get there? How do we actually get there? Well, I feel like ground zero is by God's grace. By God's grace. To, to answer that question, all we got to do is check out right before verse 34, right? It says, by God's grace, right? Was God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there were no needy persons. God's grace in them was so powerful that it enabled them to make sure everyone was taken care of. To the point that, that they didn't even claim their possessions as their own. Like they literally shared everything. Everything was on the table. They took this idea of fridge rights. I don't know if you know what fridge rights are, but basically fridge rights is when, you know, anybody can come in your house and say, hey, can I have something to drink? And you're like, hey, you got fridge rights. Whatever's in the fridge is yours. So they took that idea of fridge rights and said, you know what? Hold my beer. I'm going to do you one better. You can have house rights. Anything in this house is yours. If you need it, you got it. Like that's, that's to the level that the early church was. Now, here's what's interesting. The, the Greek word for grace here in this passage, where it says God's grace was so powerfully at work, it's literally the Greek word for uh, uh, charis. I think that should be up there. Yeah, charis. Looks like charis, but it's not. At least that's what I'm told. Um, it's charis, and it, it can be translated, uh, or it's the root word for charity. Yeah, there we go. It's the root word for charity. Um, and so for that, like, if you look back at that Acts passage, you could easily translate that as, like, the generosity of God. The generosity of God was so powerfully at work in them that there were no needy persons among them. 
So notice that the past or the focus in Acts passage doesn't start with how awesome the early Christians were. Sure, they were awesome. They were great. But it didn't start with that or how awesome their generosity was. It starts with how the grace and generosity of God was at work within them. That's an important distinction. And do you know kind of where else that that word pops up at? It's one of the best passages on grace in the Bible. It's Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. It says this, For it is by, what church fam? That's it. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. Make no mistake about it. It's not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, of God. Not by works, so that no one, no one can boast. God's grace was given to us freely. He didn't have to show us grace. He didn't have to show you grace. He could have left you in your sin. But instead, he was generous. He was generous to you. He was generous to me. And as followers of Jesus who believed that God was so unbelievably generous to them, that should be the fuel that helps us to be generous towards others. That's what should give you purpose. That's what should give you the desire to be generous towards other people in your life, in your community, outside of your community. But that begs the question, what exactly has God done so that we can be generous like that, right? What exactly is the thing? Well, Romans 8.32 says this. He, meaning God, who did not spare his own son, Jesus, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? How beautiful. In the scriptures, when sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, God took it upon himself to restore humanity. And from then on, the story pointed to a savior who would do just that. He would come down from heaven he would, he would live amongst us. He would actually teach us what heaven looked, at, looked like. He brought heaven down to earth. And eventually, he would die for our sins so that we could be with God once again. And so that it would actually motivate us to live like he did here on earth. So that we could bring heaven down to earth. Let me ask this question. Have you ever been in need? Well, I know you have, Eric. Has anyone else, have you ever, <laughs> have you ever been in need of something? Yeah. All the college students say, yes, actually right now, I'm actually, <laughs> can I hold a dollar? Um, I remember when I was uh, trying to, do my freelance thing. Um, I was trying to be a freelance designer. And, and I've talked about this before, but if you know anything about freelance design or freelance anything, there's like this elusive dream when it comes to money. It's like way up here, and you're just like constantly trying to reach for it. But see, the thing is, is that it's actually not a dream, and it's real life, and you're still trying to reach for it, but you just never obtain it. That is freelance. Welcome. Welcome to the world. 
Um, now, think that, but for me, I tried to also live in a house that I paid rent with all this freelance money. It, that's, it's just not, it didn't work out. It didn't work out at all. Um, for me, like, like, I tried to hustle so much and for, for so little monies, and it's so crazy. There were times where I didn't, <laughs> there were times where I actually couldn't pay for rent. There were like several times when I couldn't pay for rent, and it was so, so cool to see how the Lord worked throughout all of that. I really should have gotten a nine to five. I really should have gotten it, but it was so cool to see how the Lord worked and how generous the Lord was through so many people, specifically, specifically through one of my roommates. He actually, uh, I remember one time he came through and said, hey, man, we're good. And I was like, what are you talking about, we're good? I don't know that. You have to say more words. Um, he was just like, well, hey, like, I got you. Like, don't worry about rent this month. Who, who pays for someone else's rent? Like, who, who does that? Who does that? Not only pays for my rent, but his rent too. Like, that's two rents. Because of God's grace powerfully working in him, he saw, he saw that his money was not his own. He knew that because God blessed him, he was called to be a blessing to someone else to the person around him, to the people around him. He understood that, that, that he was a recipient of God's incredible generosity and therefore was invited into a godlike pattern of generosity. If you've ever been in need and someone does that for you, someone exceeds your imagination by, by giving you something you do not deserve, do you know what kind of that, that kind of does to you? I feel like your emotions will go haywire, right? Like you'll just get these like ugly tears coming down your face and just all the different emotions that come with that. Like all of those emotions. But you know what else will happen? Your heart will start to soften towards other people because you will realize that, hey, like, oh my gosh, this is what it looks like to give. This is what it looks like to be able to, to be generous to other people. Your heart will become softened when you see God's grace on display in this way and it makes you want to give as well. Now, one of, one of the joys of pastoring this church um, is that I get to stand up here and say that this is the type of heart in our church family. This is absolutely the type of heart that is in this church family. Just like anything, hear me say this, we can all grow, we can always grow towards Jesus. Like, we're not perfect, but I absolutely see the heart of Jesus in this way for you guys. I've seen people sell their car so that they, so that they can get uh, something lesser than, so that they can actually pay for people in life groups, so that if a need arises, they'll be like, okay, I actually do have the money, let me give. 
I've seen people say, hey, like, counseling is a thing for our group right now. It seems like a lot of people are going through a lot. Let's just pay for it. Let's pay for every single person's counseling for however long they need it. For however long they need it. I've seen people uh, uh, um, give up, you know, uh, 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 their house in the sense of, like, allowing people to stay with them. And not just for, like, some overnight type thing. I'm talking, like, weeks and months and years on end type thing. Where they're actually giving up their livelihood. They truly are doing the whole house rights thing and saying, hey, my house is now your house. My house is your house now. So live. So live. So all that to say, I'm so thankful for you guys. I really am. I'm really thankful for you guys. Um, it's, it's really cool to see how the spirit has worked in y'all. Um, yeah, it's just a beautiful thing to see. Keep, keep doing that. Please keep listening to the spirit in that way. And in light of that, how do we as followers of Jesus practically continue to stay in that way, Right? How do we continue to, to be the type of church that, that we're just constantly giving, giving and giving? Well, I think a few ways is, one, I think we need to look out for pitfalls. One, we need to look out for pitfalls. Like anything, there is always going to be something that's going to kind of try to impede you from bringing heaven down to earth. Whether that's your own sinful nature or whether that is Satan, both are at war with God. Both are at war with God. And for us to recognize that, that we are not naturally generous people, obviously, outside of God's grace, we're going to have to fight these habits that, that maybe we've been taught. You know, maybe we grew up with it. I don't know. Like, maybe we grew up with these things. Or maybe we kind of picked it up alongside the way. Who knows? But we need to be able to fight this. So what are those pitfalls? I would say two pitfalls. I'm sure there are more than just two, but two specifically for people who live here in America, which is all of us um, right now, or at least most of us, um, I would say is greed and materialism. Greed and materialism. Now, we've talked about greed and materialism before in other sermons, so feel free to go back and listen to those. I'm not going to harp on it too much. But to me, like, these two things will slowly and surely kind of eat away at our desire to actually give and to give more. Greed is, is this belief that my quality of life is directly related to how much money I have. While materialism is similar, but with possessions, it's, it's my quality of life is actually directly proportional to how much stuff I have and how actually how much nice stuff I have. They both push us to rely on something other than God to satisfy us. Greed is when we hear about that job that's offering just a little bit more K, and we're like, hmm, I need that job. I need it. And, and you convince yourself that, that you're going to be miserable if you actually don't have that job. Materialism is, is convincing ourselves that, that the reason we're not happy is because our house or our apartment isn't as cool as that person on Instagram was, right? Like you're just scrolling and scrolling, and you're like, man, that's a tight house. <sighs> oh, y'all felt that, right? Y'all all felt that, that deep sigh. <sighs> just 
Mm. Um, greed is when our level of peace or anxiety is directly tied to the balance we see when we pull up our bank account. Materialism is when we look to a brand or a store or a purchase to try to fix what we feel inside of ourselves, to fix what we feel like is broken. And, and here, here's where I think all that is coming from. Here's where I think that's all coming from. I think deep down, we are discontent with what we have because we are discontent with who we are. Let me say that, let me say that one more time for the people in the back. I think deep down, we are discontent with what we have because we are discontent with who we are. And there's part of us that believes that buying and having more stuff will fix that discontentment, that it will somehow quiet that part of our brain. And hear me say, I, I think for most of us, we would agree that buying new stuff, it actually feels pretty good, right? Like, it's like a drug in many ways, Especially if it's something you've had your eye on for a while. Like, it's a retail therapy is a real thing, fam. Retail therapy is a real thing. And I remember, for me, for me, I remember growing up uh, uh, hearing the phrase, when you look good, meaning the freshness of everything, your clothes, your shoes, all of that stuff, then you also feel good. Exactly, exactly. When you look good, you feel good. That that you will have some type of like confidence and just like you just walk into the room with this confidence, you know? Y'all know what I'm talking about. This is the first day of school, you guys. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You coming through, you're like, hey, nobody come messing with me today. I got that fresh cut. I got these Air Force Ones. I can't get down like I used to, but y'all know what I'm talking about, Air Force Ones. I'm just stunting on these people. I got my Rick and Morty book back on. Man, you can't tell me, you can't tell me nothing. While it's not an all-time thing, I do believe that for many of us in the room, when we get something new, we feel like we're making ourselves new. When we get something new, we feel like we're making ourselves new. And and Jesus would say to that, hey, like, you got it partly right. Like, that feeling you're feeling, the feeling to make yourself new, yeah, that's right. That's the correct feeling you're supposed to have. But you kind of went in a different direction than I thought you would. Money, Money and possessions ain't it, fam. Money and possessions is not it. We can't fix ourselves no matter how hard we try. We cannot do this by ourselves. No matter how fresh you look, you can't fix yourself. No matter how cute our Instagramy house looks, you can't fix yourself. Only Jesus can fix you. Only he can give you life. Money and possessions at best are just a cheap substitute. As a church that, that, that gives generously, we do this here. 
And we're looking to, to give more and more generously. We need to be watchful of greed and materialism. We need to, to give people in our lives a view, a window into our finances, to, to walk alongside us and say, hey, like, yeah, like, I actually can see a little bit of this in you. I can, I can see you like turning towards greed or turning towards materialism. Because oftentimes it's, it's, it's hard to spot that in yourself. You'd be surprised, but blind spots are blind spots for a reason. It's, it's because you're blind to it. That's, that was a dad joke. I apologize. I apologize. That's on me. Um, we need to give people a view into our window. Because if you lean towards those two pitfalls, like I said, like, you're not going to see it. And it's going to hinder your ability to give. It just will. All right, let's move on. I feel like I'm taking up a lot of time. All right, uh, number two. Number two practical. Remember the source. Remember the source. When you get paid, have you ever thought um, or at least like stopped to thank the Lord for your provision? for the provision that he's given you. Have you ever stopped to do that? Anyone? No one? Yeah, me neither. Um, see, for me, like, I get that, like, direct deposit, and um, I don't ever actually remember that I've actually gotten paid. It's weird. It's probably not a good look. I probably should know what's coming in. Um, but oftentimes, it's just like a, yeah, I work today. I should get paid today. Yay, America. Man, we got it made, right? We got it made. Let me tell you another freelance story. Uh, I remember when I didn't get that direct deposit life, um, I was always scrapping for jobs and, you know, looking for clients and all of that stuff. And, you know, this was way before Venmo. They had these things called checks. I'm sure most of you don't know what that is. But I remember so many times that I would be praying for provision. I would be praying for, for clients uh, uh, to come through. And when the Lord provided, man, was I so thankful I was so thankful because that money would help pay for bills. That money would help pay for things that I would need. Honestly, that money would also help pay for things that I wanted. God was generous to me in those moments, again, where I probably should have got a nine to five. And the crazy thing is, is I don't think I was ever intentionally thinking, because God has blessed me, I should be a blessing to others. And, and now that I actually get that direct deposit, I think the idea of not being thankful for provision can also creep in alongside not remembering that I'm blessed to be a blessing. Do I bless others? Sure. Does the Holy Spirit remind me to bless others? Sure. But proactively, I don't know if I actually remember this. Anyone else in the room feel a little bit some of that? I think for many of us, we need to continually remember the source of our blessings. We need to continually be on our knees. We need to be praying. We need to be reading through the scriptures and reminding ourselves, okay, hey, like I am blessed. Like some of us just need to get on our knees and say we are blessed. 
We are so, so blessed. We are richly blessed. Some of us with money, some of us with time on our hands, some of us with resources. We are each blessed by God. And when we remember God's grace truly, his generosity in our lives, like the early church did, will fuel us. It will fuel us to make it happen. It will fuel us to make it happen. And that is practical number three, make it happen. If you're coming through City Church, if you've been coming around for a little while, you know we always try to make it practical up in here. So you know I was about to bust this one out. But um, just remembering the source is not, not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough to fight against greed and materialism. Sure, you could be like, hey, Lord, like, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'm so blessed. But that Nintendo Switch ain't going to buy itself. I don't even know if people play Nintendo Switch anymore. Um, but, like, if you just do that and not actually act on what the Spirit is, is prompting in you, like, if you are on your knees and you are praying and you're reading through the Scriptures and the Spirit is like, hey, like, I want you to give. And you're just like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I'm just here to be thankful. That's all I'm here to be. <laughs> nothing else, nothing more. Just quiet down, spirit. Just quiet down for a little bit. Like, that's probably not a good look, right? <laughs> probably not a good look. Um, and so we, we want to be able to have some action behind all of this. So what are some ways that we can actually do this, right? That's the big question. For some of us in the room, we actually need to learn how to budget. I know that's not everyone's favorite B word, but... We need to learn how to budget so we know what we can actually give away and what we can use to pay our bills. It's hard to be generous if, if you don't actually know what's coming in and out of your bank account. I mean, you could still be generous. It would just be harder. Um, I know for me, when I didn't budget, um, and I'm sure my wife is just like, you budget now? No, you I budget. Um, there, there would be like this pressure on me to be like, man, can I actually give? I don't know if I can give today or this month or whatever. Man, these bills keep stacking up. I don't know. Whereas if, if, if I knew exactly what was coming in and going out, then I could be like, okay, this is actually how much I can give this month. You see, you tracking with me? Does that make sense? So yeah, so like, I think one of the first things you should do is actually you should budget. You should budget in how much is going, coming in and how much is going out. Um, I think that is a really good first step. And then after that, I think you should give. I believe one of, the, one of the ways we can be generous is actually giving to the local church. Throughout the scriptures and even in our passage today, followers of Jesus have been given to the local church for a very long time. It said that the people in the church took the money from selling their land and selling their houses and they gave it to the leaders of the church to be able to disperse it out. Now, what could that look like for you guys? What could that look like? Well, there's several ways. One of them, I think, is just giving 10%. Giving 10% of what the Lord has given you. Again, there, there are other sermons where we can talk about this, uh, 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 this idea of tithing, and we have talked about this. But I'll just say this piece and move on. If you are living off 100% of what God has given you, 
and you're not giving something back, that may not be a good look. That may not be a good look. Um, and if, this is not on here, if you are actually uh, in need, if you, if you just feel like you uh, uh, cannot give and you are actually in need, come talk to us. Like, that, that is one of our charges as, just as a church family, to be able to help whoever is in this room. If you have a need, come talk to us. Please don't hesitate. Please don't hesitate. If it truly is a need, talk to the people that are in this room. Come find us, me, Eric, Kent, or Jeff, and then we'll forward it on to Sarah because she's actually the one that gets things done. But still, like, we, like come talk to us so we can help meet that need. Again, that was on the side. All right, let's get back on track. Uh, another way to be able to give or, or another way that, that this looks like is actually sharing your resources that the Lord has given you. Maybe you just have, you know, a lot of stuff at your house that could be probably borrowed pretty easily. So maybe for you, it's actually sharing those resources that the Lord has given you to be able to give to someone else in need. Maybe somebody in your life group needs a lawnmower. It's like, oh, yeah, here you go. Easy. Easy buckets. Here you go. Maybe somebody needs a hammer. I don't know. Like, that's a little small stuff. But, you know, like, I'm sure there will be bigger stuff. But, like, maybe you should just share the resources that the Lord has given you. You don't need your car because you're working from home. Here. If you need a car, here you go. First John specifically teaches us to do this when it comes to other followers of Jesus. Let's go ahead and put that up on the screen. It should be First John 17. Yeah, there we go. If, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or with speech, but with actions and in truth. I'll just leave, I'll leave that right there for you guys. I believe there's enough truth in that that I don't have to comment. All right. Lastly, if you, if you don't have money or feel like you don't have much money to make a dent, still, still be pay, uh, uh, faithful and give 10 cents or whatever, but I really do believe that giving your time can also be a huge asset to other people, um, whether that's inside, you know, church fam or outside in regards to mission. Being able to do that is so huge. Now, we'll get into this in another sermon, um, but I really do believe giving either 10% or more of your time in many ways, especially for this generation, can be more sacrificial than actually giving your money away. But again, we'll, we'll get that to that a little later on. So what is your next step? What is your next step in bringing heaven down when it comes to generosity? Do you need to reflect on God's grace? Do you need to, to read the scriptures? Do you need to, to pray? Just get on your knees and just reflect on how much the Lord has given you. Do you need people around you, other followers of Jesus around you, to, to speak gospel truth in you, reminding you that God has blessed you. Maybe for you, you're like, hey, like I do actually give. 
Um, I, I'm actually giving, um, uh, but maybe, you know, maybe you could give one more percentage more. You're living off of 90 and you're giving 10. Hey, maybe that next step is to live off of 89% and give 11%. Some of you in the room are just like, what's a budget? So like maybe for you, maybe that's what you do. <laughs> maybe that's your first step. Your first step is just to budget and to see what's coming in and going out. But for all of us, for all of us, we're all somewhere, right? We're all somewhere along this path of generosity. It's just a matter of figuring out where exactly we are. And I think some of the ways you can do that is talking to other followers of Jesus. Like if you are in a life group, talk to your life group about this. Like I said earlier, like give them a window into your finances. Give them a window into your life when it comes to generosity. I don't know how this, uh, how, how the generations have been. Like back in my day, we didn't really talk about money. Maybe it's the same way now. I have no idea. But like talk about money. Talk about your finances. Because I really do believe that that, that is a, 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 f- a good step in the right direction when it comes to actually being able to give more and more. To kind of open that up to other followers of Jesus so they can be like, oh, hey, like actually I feel like you're doing too much in this area. Maybe you should, like, take a little bit out and put it towards, you know, generosity or giving or whatever. Like, having other people in your life to speak into it is so, so beautiful. And on top of that, ask the Spirit. Ask the Spirit to guide you. If you have the opportunity to bring heaven down, don't let it slip away. Don't let it slip away. Let's pray. Lord, um, you've really been good to us. <laughs> Looking around the room right now, Lord, um, You've blessed us so much. Um, You've blessed us so much. Look at this building. (laughs) Gosh. We have clothes on our back. We have shelter. We, We have food on the table. Some of us have excess of all those things, of everything. And, and, and Lord, it's all because of you. You have given us so, so, so much. You have given me so much. Lord, will you, um, will you just remind us that, that we're, 
we're called to, to be a blessing for other people. That, that we're not just called to, to, you know, take your blessings and keep it for ourselves. That's not why, that's not why you give us those blessings. Sure, they are to meet needs, but Lord, we, we are called to be a blessing to other people around us. Lord, help us to seek out those needs. Help us to be proactive and to go out and seek people who need what they need because, Lord, you have blessed us so much that we can actually provide for them. If only we would see. Lord, will you remove any scales from our eyes? Will you make it very apparent of the people who actually have a need? Lord, will you help us to see those people and not just see them and not just pray for them, but to actually meet their needs? Lord, some of us in the room today need to hear that, Lord. I need to hear that. And for some of us, Lord, um, if there is a need in the house right now, Lord, will you give boldness Will you give boldness to them to, to, to come up to the front, to, to come talk to other followers of Jesus in the room, to come talk to me, to come talk to Kent, whoever is up front, to come talk to us and say, hey, I need, I need this. Will you give them that boldness? Lord, I can pray forever. <laughs> on this, but I'm not going to do that. Lord, we thank you for your provision. We thank you for your love. We thank you for everything you've given us, Lord. Help us. We need you to help us. Yeah. Spirit, spirit work. In your name. In your name. Amen.